just start in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you for this morning. I just thank you for the opportunity that Pastor Micah and the leadership is entrusting the word that you have given me to share. I pray that it be your word that is ministering to, to the body here, that it would be beneficial to them. I rest in you, Father. This is about you, not me. And I just, I thank you about that. Thank you for the word in Jesus' name. Anyway, a lot of you, I see a lot of you know me, but some of you may not. But I wear this t-shirt, uh, and it's got fear God on one side, and almost a contradiction to some people, trust Jesus on the back side. My son was involved, my son Peter was involved in a ministry in Duluth that did open-air preaching, and they'd have the sign, basically, trust Jesus. There was one time I got to go to the pirate ship in Duluth, and I held the sign that said, trust Jesus. And there was three guys, ministers, preaching like John the Baptist to the crowd in line for the, the haunted ship. And it was just amazing. I, I'm not quite there where I can do that, you know. I, I've gotten to go to college and do a similar thing. But what I just want to, this fear of God, I think it's misunderstood, you know, that so I prepared something. I've talked about it briefly on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. I've given little shots of it, but this is more in-depth. And see, another thing is that I had it initially 12 pages long, and that was more than half an hour. And Pastor Mike encouraged me to shorten it, and so I shortened it to six pages. <laughs> and, and then the commotion with all the technical stuff trying to get, Pastor Mike had the 12-page one already produced in verses, so, so it may be different verses that'll be up there, but we'll get through it. And this is what I think is exciting, because when something powerful is gonna happen, the spirit moves, and it's not us. And, it's, and it seems like conflict a lot of times I don't know if you guys have experienced that. Johnny, have you experienced that sometimes when you, you know, when the guys get up for music, is it always smooth? No. So, without further ado, the fear of the Lord. Do you have a serious relationship with God? Think, think of it. God will condemn the vast, vast majority of mankind to an eternal hell for rebelling against him and his laws. We read it in scripture, hear it preached in church, and believe it is the reason Jesus Christ came to provide an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Yet, we rarely ponder its importance as to the nature of God and the seriousness of our response to him Again, are you serious with God? I am deeply concerned about the spiritual condition of those whom I have known who claim to be a Christian. 
I'm also concerned about the message they have heard from the Christian community as to what it means to be a real biblical Christian and a true follower of Jesus Christ. I believe the stakes are high. Eternity. And there is no room to err through a man-pleasing, popular gospel that does not represent God or His plan for our lives. Because you've seen it on TV. There are those, there are solid preachers. And there are those, and I'll get to it in the sermon about just tickling your ears. Also, there are those who have come to a true faith in Christ, yet their Christian life is heavily influenced by the world and a compromise with sin. God must be taken serious. Are you right with the Lord Him? Are you concerned about your spiritual condition? Please stay with me in the message I believe God wants us to hear and consider about the fear of the Lord. I prepared this with the help of a fellow minister named Lynn Kerr, who was an associate pastor at Hermantown AG a few years back when he developed a booklet on the fear of the Lord. After writing this booklet, he felt convicted of a compromising spirit attitude himself until he repented in his heart and began to fear the Lord and to strive toward a more perfect, holy walk with God and to live serious for the Lord. Steve, do you have 2 Corinthians 7, 1? Okay. This is what's going to be happening a lot just because of the order. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can file our body or spirit. And let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. And, and so people are thinking like, it's only in the Old Testament. They talk about the fear of the Lord. And I'll, I won't get off sidetracked. But as for me, it's been on my heart to educate believers and unbelievers about the importance of fearing Him and what it really means to fear God or the fear of the Lord. You don't hear about it, and people are just so shocked when I wear the T-shirt here. And I respond, if you have time, let's see. People are so shocked when I hear wear the T-shirt. One man in Super One's parking lot one day asked me, where does it say, fear God? I responded, if you have time, I'll show you. Otherwise, it's in the Bible. It's from, you know, starts in Exodus, I believe. I don't know if I found it in Genesis, but Exodus 2020, I'll get to that. But I just think of it being neat, 2020, being an up-to-date thing that Moses tells them about the fear of the Lord and why too. And it seems like when Kathy and I are out of town, down visiting her parents in Nebraska, we pass a brother or sister in the Lord who will say to me in response to the t-shirts, right on, amen, brother. It's like they get it, but not everybody does. And that's why I'm really, I, I want to, you know, explain to them. As I've shared, my fellow minister has had a complete do-over with his walk with the Lord, and my own walk continues to be transformed into a closer walk with the Lord. The fear of the Lord has become a vital part of my relationship with God and in the way I live as a Christian. I do not want to suggest that everyone must have a fear of the Lord experience 
as I have, or that they must see this teaching as the ultimate spiritual truth. However, I am convinced that the teaching of the truth is often overlooked or considered spiritually incorrect in our Christian culture, where the message is only about God's love. And I must ask you again, do you fear God? In Exodus 20.20, I referred to, I don't know if you can get that, Steve. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Proverbs 16.6 in the New American Standard says, is a, is a reason for fearing Him. Don't be afraid. Let's see. I have that kind of cockeyed. But Proverbs 16.6 also says it, and I deleted the verse, and I don't have it memorized. I may get to it, but don't be afraid, Moses says in Exodus 20.20, 20, for God has come in this way to test you, and so that you, your fear of Him will keep you from sinning. And then Job says in 28, 28, and this is what he says to all humanity, the fear of the Lord is true wisdom, to forsake evil is real understanding. But I like to try to follow this just because if I don't, I can get off on a tangent. Um, Solomon in Ecclesiastes, last chapter, Solomon 12, verses 8 through 14 is a neat explanation. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Complete meaningless. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise, and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick with, their, with which a shepherd drives a sheep. But my, but my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless, and much studying wears you out. I like how he says that. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commandments, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And I just, it sums it up there. But that's, like I said, in the Old Testament, and there's, but there's, we'll get to the New Testament. And a definition of the fear of the Lord, the phrase, the fear of the Lord, is often used throughout the Old Testament scriptures and is mentioned in the New Testament a number of times with the words, fear God. The word speak, fear speaks of trembling, a fearful reverence, respect and honor. Holy and godly fear. The reverential fear of God is not only to fear His power and righteous judgment, but a wholesome dread of displeasing Him. In other words, we are to enter into a serious relationship with God 
on his terms, on the basis of who he is and how he wants us to live. The fear of the Lord may be the most effective remedy a Christian may have to overcoming sinful, destructive behaviors and addictions in their life. And this is when, this has been for me, that I've memorized scriptures as an area in my life that is kind of a sensitive area, personal, but, and it's not one I, I share with everybody, but then I, and I have shared, like at uh, Saturday mornings, men's breakfast, and other times about this area, but it's, this woke me up, and, and just the idea that it's a wholesome dread of displeasing God, you know, the fear of the Lord. It's just not, you know, the shaking, the, the trembling, which a non-believer may do that they don't have. When people hear fear of the Lord, they want to please Him and turn away from sin and evil. Do you remember a time one of your parents, whoever the disciplinary one was, I mean, they might have both been, um, they, that there might have been fear of them, and you would rather please them than have them. Like my dad, I feared his wrath and the belt, that my mom, I could get away with stuff, but when dad got home, Max knew Dad's belt was coming off his waist, took me by the hand, and pop goes a posy and ring around the rosy as we would go around a few times. And he didn't do the Dr. Dobson. Once you discipline your child, hold them close and rub their little affected part, tell them you love them and you hate that this happened. But no, he didn't do that. But I know my dad loved me. And and in the song, Amazing Grace, you find in verse 2, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did grace appear, the hour I first believed." Fear God is basic to trust Him, just like the t-shirt says, fear God on one side, trust Jesus on the back side. It goes together. and. God intended that people would fear Him. If there is no fear of God by those who live sinful, rebellious lives, unfortunately, most of mankind have taken God, have not taken God so ser as serious to acknowledge Him, seek Him, make things right with Him through Jesus, come under His authority and honor Him with their lives. They don't fear Him. However, as God's people, we are to take Him serious for who He is and what he is, His will is for our lives. Scriptures teach that to fear the Lord brings wisdom and knowledge to a person's life, as we saw in Job 28.28 and Proverbs 16.6. If you look it up, that's what it does. People who fear the Lord will trust the truths and principles of God so as to bring direction and success for their life. It will lead them into the ways of the Lord that bring spiritual life and fruitfulness. Psalms 89, 6 and 7. For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? 
God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints, to be held in reverence by all those around him. A.W. Tozier, some of you heard of him, said, nothing twists and deforms the soul more than a low and unworthy conception, concept of God. We need to fear God for who He is. The Christian must have a fearful respect for God, for who God is, so as to pursue a serious relationship with Him and to live according to His will. Today, much of our Christian message suggests that God and Jesus are all about love and forgiveness with little consideration for His moral attributes. In fact, you would think that God exists for our good pleasure and that He has little concern for how we live our lives in relationship to Him. We are apt to think of God as just a kindly old man who loves and forgives his children, winks at their sin, and functions as a combination Santa Claus and Mr. Fix-It. Dangerously, we can make God into our own image, an image that we want, we want rather than the true image of God. Like warned about in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. God is holy. Thank God for Him being holy, just, and good. Just think if God was statistic in nature and enjoyed promoting the evil of the world. Like a cartoon that I have that I was going to open it up as an icebreaker but couldn't quite find it at the time but this preacher in a, it's a cartoon from a long time ago from Soups to Nuts and this preacher saying life, live a life of repentant sin in the next picture and be punished for all eternity by Satan little boy says to his sister if Satan punishes bad people doesn't that make him the good guy? Maybe it wasn't good. Maybe it wasn't funny. But anyway, just think about that. That Just think what God was statistic in nature and enjoyed promoting the evil of this world. I don't think we really understand how much He hates evil and sin and how absolutely good and holy He is. He is God. He is creator of the universe. He is God. And he deserves the highest place in our life. How can we casually dare take him casually, compromising view of our relationship with God when we consider who he is? He is, how can we dare think that God offer, God's offer of salvation is just about us and not for his glory and purpose? We were created for his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13 For God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. I think that verse is, I cling to it. It is God that is at work in me 
to do his work. And, and if you remember the, the movie, Chariots of Fire, Peter Little was one of the, the ministers that was, I think, going to Harvard or Yale. And he was out running. And he said he, he, he ran because he felt God's good pleasure. You know, he also felt God's good pleasure when he preached the word. But also he was just, because he was probably, like I do on my, bikes, my bicycle, when I ride anywhere, I'm usually in communion with the Lord. You know, it's, it helps me keep not focusing on the traffic that may plummet into me or knock me off the road. If you're considering becoming a Christian or evaluating your Christian life, be careful to consider the God you are dealing with. God, I want to know you for who you are, not for what I want you to be. And then in Deuteronomy 6, 1 and 2, these are the commandments, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. And then we go to the New Testament, 1 Timothy 5.20. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest also may be fearful of sinning. Fear God. It is to resist sin and obey God. God's moral law and His commandments are an expression of His plan for our life. They represent how He wants us to live and He wants us to do what He wants us to do. God gave us salvation through His Son Jesus so that we might be delivered from the power of sin so that we could live in obedience to Him. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. In other words, we are to hate what God hates and love what God loves. We must see sin as rebellion against Him, against God, as a serious offense to His rightful authority in our life. Jesus said, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Do you fear God enough to make every effort to live a holy life through obedience that reflects the goodness and holiness of God? Are we fearful of sinning so as not to displease the Lord? But as I said at the beginning, it's the dread of displeasing God. But I know that because of Philippians 2.13, for one verse, it's Him that is at work in me to help me not do it. So that if I were to get off of my an area, it helps me refocus on the Lord. I mean, I memorized verses, but when I thought about displeasing Him through the fear, you know, the dread, it, it helped. And to look at, um, just, I like this verse I have on my, on the shirt, Fear of the Lord, Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate and look at Amplified Amplified says the reverent fear and hatred of the evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate and 
it, that's almost the same thing, but it's an attitude, actions, that we're not trembling, but that we ought to have it as God has it. Now in Deuteronomy again, Deuteronomy 10, 12, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways and love Him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And then I flip back to 1 John 5, 3. Loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. It's not something we drudge along. But as I want to just flip in 2.13, God is at work in me, in us. We don't want to sin, but we've got to submit to Him. If we don't submit, that's, I think submission is one of the key words in the Christian faith, that we're getting out of the way. We're denying ourselves and taking Him across daily as Luke 9.23 says, that wasn't on the thing. Um, that was an add-on. To fear God is to love Him. I have come to believe that we cannot truly love God unless we fear Him. In other words, if we do not take God serious, then how can we really love Him? Much like our relationship with family and friends, love must be something we demonstrate, not just something we feel and say. In 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, the Apostle Paul describes love as attitudes and actions and feelings in expressing our love. It goes far beyond our feelings of love to demonstrate it through a disciplined life, obedience to the truth, and fruitfulness, good works. The Ten Commandments, for example, do not mention love, but they express our love for God and for others by keeping ourselves from sinful, destructive behavior and living in obedience to God. If we fear God, we will put our love for God into action, knowing that we are accountable to live for Him. Some Christians object to the emphasis on fear because they believe it is a negative and contrary, contrary to a loving God. However, the honor and obedience we give God out of respect for Him is as much an expression of love as the thoughts and feelings of love we may have for Him. If we fear God, we will come to truly love Him as we seek to please Him. We will then live in a confidence of His love for us and not fear His punishment. Besides, we can't ignore what God says in the Old Testament and New Testament as we have examined. I like Acts 9.31. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also drew, grew in numbers. Does our church fear God? Do we? Well, I hope so, and that's why I feel like I was given the opportunity today that 
I'm just not going to speak on veterans. That's what we're remembering today. But I want to have us remember what the fear of God developed at. A fear of God dreading what displeasing for him is. Many believers in the New Testament, New Church, New Early Church had a healthy fear of God because it was part of their understanding and teaching about God as well as their spiritual experience in the church. In the letters to the various churches, the apostles included instructions and warnings to live a godly life, implying that God was to be honored and respected by their behavior. Besides the spiritual teaching, the church experienced the discipline and judgment of God with its members. If you remember a couple called Ananias and Sapphira, lying to the Holy Spirit. I wondered what kind of uh, social event that was. They died, and the apostles were right there. Did the police come and investigate and CSI try to say that it was the apostles that killed them? They probably did, or they would have done today, but they couldn't have, it couldn't have touched them because God would have had it taken care of. This brought about a spiritual correction in the church and the reality that God was to be taken serious in relationship to Him. It is comforting to realize that God disciplines and corrects those He loves. God called the church to be a holy, set-apart people who not only love Him, but fear Him. It says in the New Testament, Ephesians 5, Submit one to another in the fear of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.11 Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. And then in 2 Corinthians 5.10 I should have read that before, but it just wasn't meant to be that way. For we all must stand before Christ to be judged. We'll each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. And wrapping it up. Oh, good. Anyway, fear God, judgment, and for eternal life. Jesus warned his disciples that they should fear God as the one they would be accountable to for their life here on earth and for their eternal destiny. That warning goes for all mankind, but more particularly for those who claim faith in God through Christ us. We need to take it serious. We often overlook the significance of John 3.16, the verse of scripture that sums up God's ultimate purpose for his people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The seriousness of judgment and eternal life is proclaimed throughout scripture as a warning and incentive to live for God. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose an eternal soul? Matthew 28, 16, 26. Is there anything worth more than your eternal soul? Philippians 2, 12, before 13. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you giving you the desire and power 
to do what pleases Him. So right there, you know, we obey Him, but we do it out of submission and His power. But you shall, but you shall receive power. When who? The Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you should be my witnesses. Well, that was also empowering us to live the Christian life, because witness is not only verbally, it's not only Johnny pounding on the miners, you know, over in Mentac, getting them with the word, but through his actions. All the guys in the mines, or all of us, are responsible. And that we can't, we don't all have to be so-called evangelists or preachers of the word. But we can show it through our actions to people by lending a hand, helping, you know, less unfortunate, the mentally disabled, you know, that they're smart enough, they know, but things don't always work out. But if we give them a hand, it, it helps out. Also, 2 Corinthians 13.5, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test? Examine your life. Are you really in the faith and being a serious follower of Jesus Christ? Do you have a healthy fear of God that has made you resist all sin and seek to live a holy life under God? Do you love the world and people in your world more than God? Because we have these promises, 2 Corinthians 7, 1, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Repent and cleanse yourself. Are you in need of a spiritual change in your life? Are you convicted about your condition in your Christian life? The Bible is clear as a solution to your problem. Fear God, number one, for who He is and His plan for your life revealed in scriptures. Two, repent, acknowledge you've gone your own way and give Him control back. Put a stop to sin in your ways you have been thinking and living that are contrary to God and His ways. Give Him control back again. First John 1 John 1.9 has that. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from our righteousness. That's for what some people say is a catch, you know, just, it's a catch-all. When I blow it, when I recognize I'm going down the highway way too fast or I am getting tempted to do that road rage thing with someone other driver, well, I can, I can confess it and give back to God asking for a cleansing and filling and pray for that other person, you know. Um, number three, cleanse yourself. Clean up your life. Make every effort to set things right in your life and change your life. And Matthew 6, 33. 
In the New Living Translation, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. In the New American Standard that I memorized a long time ago, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be taken care of. It will be added to you. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a holy and living sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of the Lord is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Right there, Paul, you know, has given us things in Philippians, he says, it's God that is work in us. But then I also look at this, I've just realized, you know, he's saying, and I, this is my memorization, it is your spiritual service of worship. It's my, my duty to say, Lord, I can't do it, but I know your word says, you do it through me. And, and just like this morning, especially with all the, the computer glitches, the other things in the morning, as we're going in and out, I mean, I realized that my uniform, I'd gotten it clean, but putting all this stuff on it, I had to do it real quick this morning. And, you know, doing it and then thinking about what's going to go on, you know, I had to give it to God. I had to say, God, it's you. You know, getting up here, it, it's nerve-wracking. But I know that it's important, this, this subject. I'm glad I, I finally have gotten a chance to get up here and explain this t-shirt I wear that people fear God. Wow. You know? And what the real meaning of fear of God is so that you, when you see it, hopefully can give confirmation to that person wearing the t-shirt or holding the sign, saying something, some affirmation, whatever you would say. Something that would say, you know what's going on. But I hope also that if you need to check and balance in your life, I encourage you to do that. But as I said, 1 John 1, 9, God gives us that instruction in the Bible. Confess your sins and give me control back. If you confess your sins, <clears throat> I will take control. So, thank you for coming. I hope this was a blessing. And boy, now I look at the time. 25 till. But guess what? The Vikings aren't playing today. <laughs> So you don't have to rush home. <laughs>